Wherever you are, this is your health on the go. Welcome to our regular patient educational podcast with Kareem Wellness Consulting. Here's your host, Dr. Johan White. I'm Johan White with Kareem Wellness Consulting, and today I have with me a very special guest, Dr. Kai Morgan, clinical psychologist and president of the Jamaican Psychological Society, who also practices at 68 Lady Musgrave in Kingston. Dr. Morgan, so good to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great. We're going to talk today about a very um, interesting topic that is becoming um, more noted. People are discussing this more. And it's a topic of anxiety or anxiety disorders. Let's start off by talking about what we mean by by anxiety. Well, anxiety really, let me first distinguish that, you know, there's normal anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody feels a little anxiety maybe when you're going to make a presentation, when you are under some kind of pressure, when you're, you know, feeling nervous, right? And that's quite normal. However, we do have what we call excessive anxiety or pathological anxiety, Mm -hmm. right? So it's when those fears, fears is another word that we can, that people can relate with, when those fears get out of proportion, right? And they begin to affect the person in a particular way. So they may be getting what we call panic attacks. So they may have um, sweaty palms and they may be hyperventilating and increased pulse and heart rate and, you know, all those kinds of things that feel like a feeling that they're going to die, right? So it gets to, the fear gets so strong and so real that they have these kinds of reactions um, and it's difficult for them to control. Okay, that's a very important clarification because, as as you mentioned, it it's a normal. It can be a normal response to a stressful situation or when you are excited, and it, that's a very important distinction to to point out. When does it become great enough to become concerned about in terms of um, determining whether it's a, at this point of being a problem or pathological? When does an individual know that it's at that point? Yes. This is a very this is a very individual decision really mm-hmm. because the truth is that once you feel number one, two major things, distress. Right. right? So once it is creating so much distress in a person's life that they feel they're they they're feeling the impact of it. It is happening often enough for them mm-hmm. to feel enough distress, it's a problem. And by right? distress, just to clarify, I mean you're thinking about it a lot and it's starting to interfere exactly. with um, your function, your daily function, you worry other, about it a lot. The, dis- the dysfunction is another piece. So uh-huh. the distress is more related to you thinking about it a lot, right. worrying about it, uh-huh. wondering, you know, what's going on with you. And, you know, there's a lot of that kind of thought around right. it. So it's stressing you out, as we would say, right. you know. Um, and then um, the other part is the dysfunction. So then we find now that it is affecting your daily functioning. It's difficult for you to get up and go to work. It's difficult for you to focus and to concentrate on what you have to do. And your your level of functioning that you're accustomed to has changed, usually for the worse. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so that is the other important characteristic. And, and those two, they are what really distinguishes if it is pathological or not. Mm-hmm. And does it have to be going on for a while or um, usually 
when, you know, does it, is it something that has to be going on for a while, a year? A period of time. Yes, we do usually have certain kind of classifications when it right. comes to timing, you know, um, to the timing. So otherwise, because otherwise it could be a response, uh, an acute, if, if you will, you know, right. a short kind of response to a stressful situation. Um, if it continues now into a particular, we're talking maybe six months, uh, then we're getting into the area where we're starting to say, okay, you're not able to, the body and the mind is unable to kind of calibrate, you know, get back to equilibrium, get back to balance, you know, um, and, and so it's affecting and throwing off those, those the levels of functioning. Okay, and just to recap before we, we go on, so essentially it's, it's you, you can feel physical like symptoms like the heart racing, um, you know, the, the palpitations, the excessive sweating, feeling as if you're going to die, and sometimes that can be a normal reaction to a, a short-lived stressful event. But as yeah. you, you pointed out, if this is becoming something that you're now becoming concerned about because it's happening so often mm -hmm. um, and distressed about and it's affecting how your, your, your daily function, um, your right. ability to get work done and, and do your normal things in your life, that's when you become concerned. Yeah. Tell us, Dr. Morgan, before we talk about, for example, the role of the clinical psychologist, in, in, in managing and, and, and assisting persons or empowering individuals to, to adapt and to, and to deal with, with anxiety disorders or anxiety. Um, I want to take us back a little bit to the, the, the normal uh, reaction to stressors with, with anxiety responses. What can we do in terms of good habits that may help to reduce anxiety or reduce worry and, and to manage stressors? Just some quick uh, tips. Yes, quick tips. Uh, the coping tools, right? And I think that this is this is very critical. I'm glad you brought it up because we do need to have daily, daily rituals, if you will, right. you know, that we adhere to that help us to kind of stem and keep that those stress levels in under control, right? Uh, because not many people, I think, recognize how much the constant stressors you know, day to day takes a toll right. on our body and our mind as we as we go along, you know. Um, so we have to do something every, uh, almost every day to kind of keep those in check. So things like, um, things like, for some people it's exercise, you know, as simple as exercise. For some people it's breathing, mm -hmm. you know, deep breathing, you know, relaxation techniques. For some people that comes in the form of yoga, for example, right. you know. Um, there are, those are some simple things, listening to music, you know. And of course, again, it's very individualistic. So whatever works for you. You know, it may be taking a drive out, mm -hmm. you know, it may be watching something that is calming, watching a comedy show or, you know, something that makes you laugh. It may be spending a little time um, with somebody special, having a good discussion, having some quality time. It could be anything along those lines. It could be a bath, you know, a nice uh, bubble bath or something along those lines. Those kinds of things are important to kind of keep us in check on a daily basis, even when you're not feeling particularly stressed. All right, those are excellent points. And, you know, when we talk about uh, generalized anxiety disorder or anxiety disorders, we, well, some persons may not be aware that something can actually be done about it to bring it under control. Um, right. Tell us about the role of the clinical psychologist mm -hmm. in empowering an individual to be able to manage um, their anxiety symptoms and anxiety disorders. Okay, so 
when it gets to this point that we were talking about earlier, about the distress, about the dysfunction, mm -hmm. people often realize, you know what, I've been trying to manage this on my own for quite a while, and I'm not seeing any progress, mm -hmm. right? It's not helping me. So usually that's when they access the services of somebody like me. Right. right. And so that is the role then is helping you to figure out to figure out ways that you can cope. What are some of the thought processes that might be going along with what you're why you're feeling this way, you know, that have that that kind of keep it going. They perpetuate it, you know, uh, perpetuate those the anxiety itself. So those are some of the things Those are some of the the, re the roles that um, that I would play in terms of helping them to get to regain that balance, if you will. And, you know, partnering with a, a clinical psychologist, first of all, tell us, how, how would a patient or an individual find their way to you? Would we generally have to be sent by a colleague or would a, uh, an individual also be able to reach out directly to a clinical psychologist? Yes, you can reach out directly, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so either way, either of those ways that you mentioned can work. Oh, okay. So you can call the office directly, make an appointment, some places facilitate walk-ins, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so there are, there's a direct route. And what are some of the strategies that are normally employed in, in working with an individual to, to overcome anxiety disorders or to, to manage? Okay, so so one of the, the big approaches or the most common approaches that uh, people use uh, is called a cognitive behavior therapy. Mm -hmm. So when I was mentioning the thought processes, cognitive is basically the thoughts, right. right? And then the behavior, right? So the whole idea behind cognitive behavior therapy is that the thoughts are the thing that control the emotions, right? right? And then and then that those affect and impact the behavior. So the whole so the whole strategy is around looking at the thoughts and what the thoughts and how the thoughts are creating this anxiety, mm -hmm. right? These negative feelings, these negative thoughts are creating these quote-unquote negative emotions right. and then um, working to restructure and reorient, you know, from that perspective. So thinking differently, right? Um, learning to analyze the thoughts, learning to, to refute the thoughts, to challenge the thoughts, because their thoughts are often negative, so we learn to do that. And through that process, practice, continued practice with that, then you're able to shift, right? So that's one major approach and one common approach. Um, along with that, for some, for others as well, there are more um, behavior, there are the behavioral techniques that go along with it. It is cognitive behavioral work. So along with the thought processes, there are some of the things that I mentioned before, like relaxation techniques, you know, um, self-monitoring. So you're, you're, you're checking yourself, mm -hmm. checking your anxiety levels. You're learning to do that while you're learning to, to restructure the thoughts because, again, importantly, this is a process. So it's not a pill you take and, and you're okay tomorrow, right? Um, it is a process. So it takes time for you to be able to restructure and relearn to think differently, right, about some of these things that have been causing you anxiety, the things that impact you in that way. So it is a process, and that's, that's one of the main ways in which people work with anxiety. The, the one that has actually been... Been, um, had had most success in terms of research looking at its efficacy. Mm -hmm. The cognitive behavioral approach has had a lot of um, a lot of success. All right. It's such an important 
point that you've made in terms of trying to catch ourselves in, in, in getting into that negative thought cycle because it, it dictates our behavior and, and it, it, it's a cycle. You start with negative, but sometimes you're not realizing the triggers that gets you into that, into that zone or into that way of thinking. And so working with someone to, to bring you out of that and to replace them with, um, with positive thoughts, but also recognizing those triggers and um, recognizing your own response to those thoughts and trying to do something about it is a very critical strategy. Yeah. Before we wrap up, Dr. Morgan, you know, we found that, you know, working with a clinical psychologist or therapist is becoming a little bit more acceptable now, but I think some people are hesitant or maybe hesitant about reaching out to a clinical psychologist. What would you say to, to individuals who are on the fence about, about doing that? Yes, um, very true. I also find that trend. I find that there are more people that are becoming more acceptable, mm -hmm. um, more, it's more accepted for them. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what scares, two things I think scare people a lot. One is that I feel like they think they should be able to handle this. Mm -hmm. You know, so then they begin to feel like, you know, um, I don't need to get any outside help. I can manage it myself. You know, uh, but oftentimes, um, and I hear this a lot in my office, when they, they, they do try, and nothing is wrong with trying on your own, I think that's very resourceful, mm -hmm. you know. I think you also are very resourceful when you then decide, you know what, this, I need some help on this one, right. you know. And this is not the only area that we have to do that. We reach out for many other issues, you know, in our lives to other people, you know. So, so this is just one. The second thing I think is the whole feeling and stigma that surrounds going to see, see a counselor, a therapist, a psychologist, right? right? And I think that stigma surrounds see, that feeling like you're crazy, uh -huh. right? And that you must be crazy, you must be mad or something if you need to see somebody. And that, again, is a misnomer, uh -huh. right? That is a really uh, an, incorrect, um, an incorrect stereotype. Because many people, the majority of people, for example, that I see in my practice are quite normal people living quite, trying to live their quite normal lives with jobs and everything. And they, um, and they're just struggling in this particular area and need some support, uh -huh. you know. So, so it is not the, because, you know, we have a thing certainly in Jamaica when crazy really means being psychotic, uh -huh. you know. And so, and, and the majority of persons that access services are not psychotic. They may have problems with anxiety. They may have problems with just adjusting. Sometimes it's grief. Sometimes it's loss. You know, these these things that everybody is touched by in some in some way. You know, uh, depressed, etc. So they really are not quote unquote crazy people. <laughs> Absolutely, those are very important points, and I think sometimes. Um, getting lost in our own negative thoughts and worry about what we're feeling and not having an understanding of what we're feeling. Um, you know, the, the clinical psychologist plays an important role in helping us to gain insight into what we're feeling that, hey, this is a normal response to a stressful Absolutely. situation. Absolutely. And that there are effective ways of dealing with it. And, yeah. you know, one of the things I also say to, to, to patients or clients is that there are many parts of the world where individuals would love 
to have the ability to sit with someone, a trained professional, to help them to go through these processes, but they're unable yes. to access this in, access in many parts of the world. Yes. So yes. it's really a privilege to be able to, to have a specialty and a, a professional where there's someone who's trained and, and offers effective, um, you know, proven um, strategies for, for getting through, through, through these um, difficulties that we may encounter um, from time to time. So in wrapping up, I'm, I'm just so very happy to have had a clinical psychologist, Dr. Kai Morgan, who is also president of the Jamaican Psychological Society and who practices at 68 Lady Musgrave. Dr. Morgan, thank you so much for sharing with us. You're so very welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Subscribe to our weekly episodes and follow us on social media at Kareem Wellness and visit our website, kareemwellness.com. See you next week.